0: This is make
1: it make it M.I.P. With my Mark my make Mark Thompson.
0: Make
1: it Get woke. On just a couple of hours sleep, he joined <laughs> after an election night. I decided I wasn't going to go crazy. As many of you know, if you're watching my social media, I went to the Georgetown basketball home opener just to kind of decompress. So that's where I was. Um, but he was still looking at things, doing the analysis, anxious to talk to him to see where things are. Obviously things not still yet resolved. The founder of Daily Coast, Civics with a Q, the host of the podcast, The Brief, Marcos Melitzis on this Thursday coast once again. Hey buddy, how are you?
0: I am feeling triumphant, Mark. This was, this was an incredible, uh, election night. Not just, you know, we can, we can, we can get into it, um. So many different angles to, to really hit on. But from a very, very like high-level macro point, if we can win an election under historical headwinds with the economy the way it was, with the way Joe Biden was, just imagine what it's going to be like in 2024. I mean, we have shown that we can win in the most challenging environment. It really sets us up for future success in elections down the road. So i so incredibly excited, not just about what happened on Tuesday night, but what it means for 2024.
1: So did we win? Are you confident holding the house?
0: So it doesn't even matter. I'll I'll, I'll tell you. So in a typical midterm election, right, the party out of power loses an average of 30 seats. Um, Usually loses state legislatures, loses governorships, loses all that, you know, um, down the line what we did on tuesday night was something that we haven't seen since 2002 after 9-11 when george bush barely you know held his held his ground in uh, in in congress and so what we ended up doing is we at the, we're not going to know who has control of congress for a while i would guess at this point that republicans may have a maybe a 2 to 3 seat majority that's not a ma- governable majority for for them, I mean, this is. There's not. Uh, I would not want to be McCarthy in you know in dealing with the with the nihilist caucus with that kind of majority. And actually, it might even help us heading into 2024 because it gives Democrats something to rally around, something tangible, because they're going to be passing just the most ridiculous legislation. Um, but I'm not conceding that. I think there's actual very real chance that we may just barely be able to hang on. It all depends on a bunch of Western seats that will take, you know, a week to two weeks to count all the... Because ballots could have been postmarked on Election Day, right? So you, you got to wait, you know, three, day, three four days for the ballots to arrive and they got to be counted. It takes, takes a while. And there's a lot of very close races in California, Oregon, and Arizona. So um, we may yet keep control of the house. And to be very clear, I would prefer that we keep control of the house. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really don't want to deal with, with McCarthy and his BS investigations and whatever else he may want to do. But the Senate, I'm feeling good about Nevada and Arizona. And we have the runoff in Georgia. I'm feeling very, very good about the runoff in, in Georgia. I think we actually do better in the runoff than we did uh, this cycle. There's a lot of people that may have turned out for for Kemp, the governor that are not going to turn out for, for, um, uh, what's his face? Hertz uh, Walker. Herschel Walker. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then the whole combined might of the democratic GOTV operation, which really proved its worth last night. is going to, uh, in most places, not so much in Florida, but the rest of the country did a fantastic job. You know, a lot of that will could you know, will come down in Georgia. And so we'll have a lot of resources, a lot of money to make, uh, to push Warnock over the, over the, uh, hum. So, I, I think we'll end up with a 51 seat majority. Unfortunately, it's not the 50, 52 seat majority that we wanted to make Christian cinema and Joe Manchin irrelevant. So things like, like uh, you know, DC statehood and Puerto Rico statehood, like those things, probably not going to happen. That's that's a little distressing and 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 uh, uh, disappointing. But given what the historical trends were. Could have been a lot worse. We could have been blown out in the House and given Republicans a a, a substantial lead in the House. We actually um, on the governorships we picked up two governorships. We may have lost the governorship in Nevada. It's it's not looking great, but a lot of it depends on what kind of votes are outstanding still. But we kept this is very important. We kept the governorship and Secretary of State offices um, in uh, Michigan in Pennsylvania. In Wisconsin, and we know how important those are, we kept the Secretary of State Office in Arizona, and there's a very good chance we may have won the Arizona Governor's race as well. So and then we picked up Maryland and Massachusetts. So worst case scenario, we're still going to be net positive winning governorships. We have now the trifecta in Minnesota in Michigan. Michigan wasn't even in the cards nobody it wasn't nobody thought we had a chance to win either chamber of the Michigan legislature. We picked up both of them. We picked up the state house in Pennsylvania. We kept, you know, Republicans from veto-proof majorities in a couple of states, including North Carolina. Again, very, very important because we have a Democratic governor and the North Carolina legislature is trying to steal elections. North Carolina. Leans red. Still a battleground state. So you look at ballot initiatives, not only did a bunch of states legalize uh, marijuana use, but also, I think, Five states enshrined a right to abortion, including Kentucky and Montana, to Republican Republican states. And um I don't know if it's official, but I can say very confidently that Lauren Boebert has been has li- has lost her election given given what was outstanding. There may be recounts, you know, we'll see, but it's it's hard to see how she Hasn't lost the election, and and anytime you get rid of polbert <laughs> that's a pretty good election. So, in the aggregate, you look at you look down the line. The fact this would have been a great election result in any election. The fact that we did it in a midterm election, when when the party in power historically loses thirty seats, and with the, you know, oil companies manipulating the price of gas in order to to hurt. Joe Biden's approval ratings and, and uh, and you know, accumulate gross, you know, record levels of profit. And with uh, inflation being the way it was, the fact that we did what we did as a party and as a movement is is absolutely incredible. So again, that we did this with all these headwinds is incredible. And it makes me really excited about what we're going to do that. And we don't have details yet; it's way too early. But by all indications, a youth vote was was strong, and that we can build yeah. on that in 2024. Like we don't need to get first time voters to be first time voters in 2024, obviously. And uh, so, yeah, no, it just puts us in an incredibly strong place for uh, for these upcoming cycles. So I'm I'm pretty excited, and I guess you know I, I I haven't slept in days, but I I don't even feel like I need to. At some point, I'm going to crash. <laughs> right now, I'm. I'm still writing high.
1: Uh, and Yeah, well, that's that's good to know. Also, pushing back against the narrative a few days out, which has still kind of been a narrative on some of the coverage. I mean, th- this need to uh, placate the right. It's going to be a red wave. And and even the Chirons on TV, even on some of the channels we frequent, says what the republic in the little lower third what Republicans need to gain control, not what Democrats need to keep control. So, you know, that, that's been demoralizing. Um, and, and we talked about that at Nauseam, just this need for mainstream media to pander, speaking of pandering, to pander to uh, that audience. And they, they were just all dead wrong. Nothing. It
0: was, I, I
1: yeah. think at uh, 7 o'clock last night, Chuck Todd, somebody tweeted, Chuck Todd was still talking about a red wave.
0: Yeah, I don't. I know we've talked about it at nauseum, but it deserves to be talked about at nauseum because um, it was clear that there was no red wave. Now, there is a way to talk about this election in a way that that is based on honest observation of the facts. If I'm a if I'm a traditional news media reporter talking about this election, I would say the party in power historically faces headwinds, and Democrats certainly do, on on inflation, on gas prices, and on Joe Biden's approval ratings. However, this is not a typical midterm election. There are countervailing issues like the Dobbs decision on abortion and Donald Trump's deep meddling, both in candidate recruitment, which really ended up costing them the Senate, and uh, also him being an issue and you know democracy in the January 6th commission and, and and Republicans inability to distance themselves from trumpism were clearly factors and you didn't have Mark, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist or be a doctorate in political science to see that before the dobbs decision democrats were losing special elections by an average of 6 to 9 points worse than 2020 that's wave year that's definitely after Dobbs, it was Democrats that were outperforming the 2020 numbers by about three to six points. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to think like, well, maybe Dobbs changed something. But you had this mostly white, mostly male punditry saying, well, abortion is faded as as a, as a as an issue, and so therefore everybody's going to vote on on inflation. And there's even a lot of like, well, the polls say that inflation is the number one issue. You know what's really interesting, Mark? Exit polls. Unfortunately, they didn't ask about democracy, but they did ask about abortion and they asked about inflation and they asked about crime and immigration. In nationally, inflation was the most number one issue of voters, but only at thirty two percent. So only about a third of voters thought inflation was so a minority, right? But of those voters, like a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, that shows that the Republicans are going to win because it's inflation that's her issue." When they were asked about inflation, the Republican advantage on the issue was only fifty-two to forty-four percent. So just a bare majority of the, of that minority who thought immigration was the most important issue actually thought Republicans were better for inflation than Democrats. So it's really. It wasn't even an issue that absolutely benefited Republicans. And then you look at abortion. Abortion was number two. It was number one in Pennsylvania. It was number two nationally, but it was 32, 32% um, inflation, 29% abortion. 60% of people, of respondents, were furious at the Supreme Court for ending abortion rights. And only about 28% supported it, right? So... These are the two main issues driving the election. One of them was basically a very slight republican advantage on 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 inflation and a big democratic advantage on abortion and even the immigration mark, you know when the political press says, "Oh, immigration's a big issue that that's Republicans are going to win on immigration when they when the exit polls dug into immigration, sixty percent of respondents said that immigrants make the country better, only about twenty five percent said that immigrants make them. Country worse. So even immigration wasn't playing. So you have these assumptions that the political press is making based on absolutely nothing. And so people like me and and people like uh, Simon Rosenberg on Twitter and Joe Trippi were saying we're not saying that there's no wave election happening. What we're saying is that there's no evidence. Of a wave election happening, we were looking at the polls, we were looking at voter registration numbers, we were looking at special election results, we were looking at all these factors that would have sort of given us a hint that something was 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 happening. And Mark, you remember back in two thousand and ten, we were talking the whole time. It's like, yep, we're going to get our asses whooped. I mean, we it, we don't make we don't make this stuff up. We're not we're not playing right. And so we're looking and looking and looking and we're seeing all along, we're saying this is a really tight election, which is the best that Democrats could hope for given that sort of national climate and how partisan we are as a country. So that that's what it was. And so it was weird sitting out there for for this last year going like, why don't they see what is right there in front of us? To the point that the New York Times did a poll of four house races, battleground house races. All four of them, Democrats were leading and the, whole, and the first paragraph was four new polls show pr- fresh proof that, rep- that Democrats are headed towards a historic midterm wave election loss. The poll literally had the four Democrats winning these four battlegrounds. And by the way, the Democrats won all four of those races and the polls were right. And there's no way to look at those polls, think those polls are correct, and then write a story that said that Democrats were headed towards record losses. So it's been it's been weird political press is broken. They were following along the Republican narratives and they should adopt them. But also I will say a lot of Democrats played along too because they they wanted to inject their BS agenda into like Democrats should be talking about my issue. And if they only had talked about my issue, then we wouldn't be losing next Tuesday when not even a single vote had been counted. So it, it it's been disappointing <laughs> all around to see though that narrative be so 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 resilient against all evidence.
1: No, that's important. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're talking about that. I think it also, what we have to feel good about is that in the past, that type of coverage would have demoralized our base more, but we did, we performed. And as you said, we haven't seen all the final numbers yet, but the early numbers indicate that the younger population going down to 18 years old made a big difference. I saw yep. something. This is not confirmed, but that their percentage of voting, eighteen to thirty-four, was above the the fifty and over crowd like us. Uh, again, I don't know if this. That's not confirmed yet, folks. But we have. Yeah,
0: to I would be shocked if that was true. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. Um, but but that made a difference, and it might have been just in some areas. I I want to be clear about that.
0: But we, we don't need it to be that high. <laughs> we don't need oh, it. But... No, no.
1: But but a couple of things, um, and then we'll we'll talk about some of the big victories, but just some of the the the, the losses. Any thoughts, any handicapping on what happens in North Carolina? I think people were surprised by that. The early numbers look like Sherry Beasley might have done that, might have been able to make a move on that. Do we have any idea what what was going on there?
0: North Carolina, Trump won North Carolina by three points and she lost by three points. It is yeah, gotcha. what the Not state fair. is. It it it's we had we had those dynamics. And you know what's gonna be really disappointing is that I haven't done this, but it's almost inevitable. There's a there's a voter drop off in midterm elections. I bet you I can look at how much the Democratic candidate in 2020 got, how many votes, and it will be higher than what Bud got this year. That it's just inevitable. I, you know, it's always, It's so bad. This is how this is how crazy this is, Mark. Um, if we got the Democratic turnout in Mississippi that we get in the presidential year, in a year that you know. Mrs. Nobody's going to win Mississippi in a presidential year, right? But if we got every Democrat that voted in a presidential election in Mississippi, we would have a Democratic senator from Mississippi. Esty Would have won his race. Yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. That's right.
0: So, so it's it's tough to get people to vote on a non-presidential year. Uh, so, what we saw in, in North Carolina is, is it just it's um, it just North Carolina is a plus three Republican state, very very consistently, and so it's a winnable state. It, you know, we got to organize. We got to have right candidates. Beasley, she's she's amazing, and I know running for office is is hard, and and I don't. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I hope she. Um, I hope she she takes another crack at it. Um, ideally in a presidential year, so she can you know piggyback off the presidential um turnout machine and and um. Uh, turnout just general turnout, but uh, North Carolina is winnable. But it's winnab- It's not winnable in a neutral environment, and so we did not. Right now, we had. I think what when we, when it's all said and done, and when all the numbers are crunched, I'm gonna. I suspect we're gonna ha- we're gonna see a neutral environment. The only reason Republicans are either likely to be in control of the House or very narrowly behind us because of gerrymandering. In a neutral environment, um, I bet we're going to win the House popular vote by by about two to three points, which would mean that we should have a you know nice twenty seat majority. Um, But that's not we don't live in a neutral House; it's a gerrymandered House. So, in a neutral environment, it's really really tough to to overcome, and and so that just makes um, Tim Ryan's effort in Ohio that much more amazing. He ended up losing by about five points in a eight point. Trump state. And I, I kept talking. People kept saying, can we win it? And I looked at I looked at Ryan's numbers, you know, and he'd be like, at, it'd be like, he's at 47 and JD Vance is at 45. And I kept saying, like, all the undecideds are going to go to the Republican. And this this is when you look at a state and you look at polls and you see undecideds, the vast majority will go to the majority party of that state. So if it was California and suddenly said, oh, look, the California Senate race is tied 45 45, I would say, okay, the Democrat's going to win 55 45. Because California is a very democratic state, so a state like Ohio and a state like Iowa, um, that is that is it's really tough to get above fifty in this climate. Um, North Carolina is not a heavily partisanized state, right? It's a, it's it's about as purple as it gets. It's three points Republican, and so again, neutral environment. It was tough, but she's she's God, she's so amazing. I mean, she'd be the smartest person in Congress like all of Congress, not just the Senate, if she were to be elected. So I'm really, really hoping that we haven't seen the last of her and that she gets a chance to try again in a in a in a better environment for Democrats.
1: Yeah, I agree. We kind of I think we're prepared for Val Demings. My Mm -hmm. disappointment is not having her as a national politician in Congress. I mean, she's 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 a great value. I hope she stays involved somehow. Um
0: Yeah. Mark, Florida, there's there's something utterly rotten. Utterly yeah. rotten. That that you don't lose those races by 15 points. Both of them. Chris, uh, and Demings. There there's no Florida Democratic Party. There was no ground operation that anybody can point to. Um hmm. I don't know if there was donor money in there that got that got, you know, eaten by corruption or just rank confident. But by demographics, it's Florida. It's it's like it's like North Carolina. It should be like a R plus three state by demographics. So the kind of numbers we saw today, yes, it, it just doesn't it doesn't track. Something's really really rotten. There there's just no ground operation. There was no effort to get out the vote. It was it was very one sided. So that was disappointing. But I think we were prepared for it. The polling showed that the race was getting away from the Democrats, and I think we learned in two thousand eighteen when when during that democratic wave year when Florida didn't come through and everybody kept saying, uh, you know, Republicans are going to win. And then the rest of the country, you know, went heavily Democratic. And that was the first sign that, well, maybe Florida's now playing to a different tune. And I think it really is. I also think Ohio and Iowa are pretty lost for us right now. I am excited about Michigan. Whitmer won by 10 points. We picked up the trifecta in the state legislature. We picked up the House and the Senate. Nobody thought that was in the cards. That wasn't, even a, that wasn't even a thing. We were just hoping not to lose seats. And suddenly we got the trifecta in, in Michigan. That's going to be huge. And uh, it shows that even a, a mostly white working class, blue collar um, state with, uh, you know, obviously it's got the big, you know, um, black strongholds in Detroit and Flint and a couple other cities. But, but, you know, overall demographically, it's relatively white state. It's the kind of state that we were losing, like like Ohio. And, and I don't know what's going on in Michigan, but but they're doing the right thing there. Like the Democratic Party there is 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 really figuring stuff out. So that's exciting to see that. It's exciting to see Pennsylvania um, sort of swing, start swinging back our way because Pennsylvania is 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 Carville famously said, right? It's Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with Alabama in the middle. And, and yes. it started to look a little scary when Trump won it in 2016. We're like, oh, crap, are we is it getting away from us? And so it seems to be swinging back a lot of work. I mean, this is, it's not, just to be clear, when we say, oh, it's swinging back our way, it's not because we sat on our asses. Because if we do, that's what Florida looks like. Florida is what, when we sit on our asses and do nothing and hope for the best and hope for demographics that's Florida happens. So there's a lot of people, including the uh, culinary union, Unite Here, same folks that are doing GOTV in, in Nevada we um, were heavily um, in charge of the Pennsylvania turnout operation and they did lights out job. My God.
1: Pennsylvania was incredible. It was even bigger than we thought it would be. So that's good news. Uh, um, Mandela Barnes hung on.
0: Ooh, what that a guy. Oh. That was real close. Wasn't it? And it's, yeah, we don't know how close, I mean, I, I haven't seen if they, but uh, I mean, I I don't know if you remember Mark either last week or the week before I said that 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 Wisconsin's going to be single digit thousands in the end um, win or lose, and um, it looks it looks I don't know if it's going to be single digits thousands, but it's going to be it's going to be close to there, and uh, he he ran a great campaign. He's a great candidate again. He's another one that I hope he he makes a second run at it. That he's he's built quite quite. An operation, and we don't want to see that go to waste. And he's 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 quite an amazing candidate. So I'm excited to see him give another shot. And um, it's hard to beat an incumbent. I mean, it, it's no accident that our one pickup is a non-incumbent pickup, which is Pennsylvania. That was an open seat, and uh, it's also. I mean, we we don't we don't um you know as we record this we don't have final decision on on Nevada and Arizona, but but um, it's going to be, like, it looks pretty good that we're going to hold on to those. It's incredibly difficult to beat an incumbent. So, um, Ron Johnson's a survivor. This is the third time he's won incredibly painfully tight elections. Florida's very, very, very tight. So, just a slightly better environment, and he would have pulled it off. So, um, um, I'm hoping he makes another shot at it.
1: I hope so, too. Um So, okay. You feel triumphant. Uh, we'll, we'll go with that. We will see what these other numbers turn out to be. Um, I I hope we can hold the house. Um, obviously pretty confident, fairly confident about the Senate. Um, and, uh, you, as you said, this is historically unprecedented. mm -hmm. Uh, It was not a way, normally the party in power loses many more seats. And you're right. 2 years from now this will motivate people even more to go and clean finish cleaning the clock uh, mm-hmm. on this stuff and and to get out to vote and and get it done. So folks, we will continue to look at how all of this develops. Obviously, Thursday Coast is every Thursday will keep you informed. Marcos doing a great job. It means a lot that obviously abortion was right up there at least at number 2. And that's the impact of The Dobbs' decision. So this was a wake-up call. It it wasn't that in 2016 when it should have been, but you know, now it is. And and, And
0: abortion is on the ballot in 2024 as well, because Republicans have said they want a national bill to outlaw it.
1: Right, right. And so they're going, and if they have the majority, see, they're so stupid. They didn't have a red wave because of Dobbs. They're dumb enough if they get a little slim majority, they'll try to pass a law anyway. And 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 just help us out even more. So we are what they going to do. So that's that's what we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. So I just want to, I, if we lose the house, the margins are going to be so narrow that they're going to eat each other alive, and then we can run against them. It's not the worst. The Senate's important because it judges. So we're still going to be able to get our judges through. Yeah. But yeah. the house, you know, hopefully we hold it. But it's not the worst thing in the world if if um if we don't get them. And if they want to have if they want to have uh, investigations, we learn, Mark. that like you don't have to show up. Right, they didn't show up to our investigations. They blew them all off. So we've learned that it's actually okay to not show up. So I'm not even worried about their investigations. We just ignore them. Fossi- you know, you can ignore them.
1: they are going to try yeah. to tempt you.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're 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 not even close to yeah. With a two, three vote majority, they're not gonna have the votes to even start an impeachment. So I, yeah, no, I don't exactly. think it's going anywhere.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: no, they'd be like- in a bad place.
1: Looks like Trump's ready to announce, but we I think we already know he and DeSantis are going to probably eat each other
0: up. Oh, my God. It'll be delicious. They're already like Charlie Kirk, Kirk, Kirk who's a right wing pundit. He's already, you know, sniping at Trump because right. Trump called uh, Ron sanctimonious, right. uh, which was actually kind of clever. I, I hate to admit it, but oh, he, yeah, yeah. I don't like that.
1: No, remember when he first ran and nobody took week <laughs> can- <laughs> He was hilarious. He knows how to play the dozens. Yeah. He's good at the dozens. I mean, I you know comedians, are, they, people are like, was well, somebody writing his material? You know, low <laughs> low T jab, low energy, low T. Yeah, yeah. So, Ted Cruz. I mean, played play the dozens. Uh, yep. If you don't know how to play the dozens with him, you can't, I know how to play the dozens. I, you know, remember I was trying to get Elizabeth Warren. He kept saying Pocahontas. I said, listen, why don't you say Honky Potus? And then, <laughs> after, I don't tell her to say that. She might accidentally say it somewhere. I said, but it's <laughs> hilarious. She would not <laughs> <laughs> you gotta play you, when you playing dozens. You gotta play people like that. Otherwise, look, they do like that. She cracked up. She said, "Oh my god, he's said hockey poker." So "Yeah, say, when you say Pocahontas, you say hockey <laughs> That's, that's
0: uh, <laughs> I I loved it, Mark. I, I thought that was hilarious at the time, just, and exactly no, I still think it's hilarious.
1: It's, I knew it. almost like good Sanctimonious That's a good lads so You got to come back with a with a with a line to to hit him with. Um, Folks, uh, Thursday Coast, Civics with a Q, The Brief. Be sure to check it out weekly. We'll continue to watch all of this and a lot of it. So Marcos, I hope makes it make everyone feel better. We, we don't know everything yet, but as he said, they won't be able to function. First of all, we know they don't like to govern anyway. If they had a 40-seat majority, they wouldn't do nothing because that's their their, their shtick now is to grind it to a halt. So either way, we could, if they had a 40-seat majority, we'd run on them not doing anything. Now even more so because they want to move. What's what's uh, Speaker Pelosi going to do? I mean, does she stick around or what?
0: Um, uh, you know, I I love Pelosi. She's amazing. Yep. She's an inspiration. <laughs> I would like to see our party get younger. That's that's. I think there needs to be a generational shift. There's too much for lack of a. This is not the most diplomatic word, but I think there's geriatric, ossified leadership at the top of our party. And I think there's there's a place to say to be to be uh gracious and open it up and get our party to be younger and more 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 uh not just more relevant but more reflective of, of our party's demographic, which is younger people. Yeah. So yeah. it's I would I would and there's some there's some great up and coming younger um Democrats in Congress yeah. that that I think would be fantastic in leadership roles. And so I'd love to see uh, that happened. And I mean that also with um uh who's who's our um from South Carolina, the number two uh, number three, the no, winner. Uh, Clyburn Flyburn. yeah. Clyburn and also Van Hollen, not Van Hollen, the guy from the majority leader from um Maryland. any Seni Yeah, I'm going on like two hours, three hours sleep, so <laughs> my memories it's so pride. But yeah, but it's, these guys are all like they're old, right? And, and you had like Clyburn talking about how, how uh, you know, minimizing the abortion decision, right? Like there, there's people that have, you know, they've been around for too long. They're too, right. you know, they've been in that. it's time it's to like open it up for people who are right. more plugged in to that side guide of right. our party.
1: And, and that's the culture. I, I've witnessed it, how people become the institution.
0: Yeah. And, and the, I, all the respect for them. I don't mean this in any way to disrespect what they've accomplished no, like, and how far they've gotten us. But there comes a point where it's time to say okay let's 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 get that next generation and right. um um I, I don't know maybe in a different episode we could talk about you know who would be you know good but i love like Jeffries; i think would be fantastic yeah. in yeah. in leadership and right. and um and, and definitely and other
1: we know these people folks they're great people you know whatever steady says to me he says how it's good to see Mark. He's been lobbing me since he was an infant. And I'm like, Stenny, you shouldn't say that because I'm 57. <laughs> that, um, that kind you, of says it all. you been, uh, I'm i am be 56 next month. So, I mean, that means you can't 56 years, Stenny, don't say it anymore. Uh, and and so, but I get it too because, you know, there's, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of those folks got a later start in life because of, I mean, it, Black people couldn't be in the, mm-hmm. in the house from South Carolina. Women couldn't be, uh, in, yep. in Congress. So I get all that. And, and, and Nancy will say right. that to us. She said, you, you have to realize our clock is different. You're absolutely right.
0: But they've been I, there now for a while.
1: They, they've been there, and we're not good on our side. Any mm-hmm. of our constituencies. Watch this. I don't care what they are, be they black, and not just in the House, uh, you know, our, our civil rights organizations our our special well not special interests, but our organizations built around demographics, African Americans, Latinos, LGBTs, labor union. If you notice Marcos, all of them tend to have people who have been there forever. That that's sort of a culture. And and that goes with um being historically oppressed, you know, and and there's a there's a a a paranoia of, or fear of letting go too early. And is the next one really ready? And that's part, that goes with being involved in struggle, uh, for rights. But we've got to figure out a way to build up benches, cast tons, all of that, uh, from the house on down to everything else we do in our struggle for civil and human rights. We, we get that. Um, so folks, uh, we'll continue to watch these things as they develop. Now, as you know, this is a podcast. We're not live. We're recording. And so this is Thursday, Coach. You're hearing it. Uh, Biden is is going to speak after we record, so we're not responsible for anything. I hope he doesn't mess up <laughs> what we've said, or I'm crazy. We should have. Maybe he should hear this before he starts talking. I mean, claim a victory and don't come out talking about something negative. But even if, I guess it'd be hard for him to mess, mess. He can't mess up the count. It still has to be a count, so he can't mess it up with his words. But um, yeah, we, we we ought to feel good. We're going to keep got to keep it going, folks. This is the price of freedom is eternal vigilance as Frederick Douglass said. i remind everybody and I'll be quiet. They spent 50 years. They didn't stop. They didn't in 74. So we give up. We couldn't stop row and just go home. They fought for 50 years. That's what we have to do. We tend to be and and this is where it balances because sometimes younger people don't get this. We want immediate TikTok gratification. But we it takes time to do this, to build. So if they can take 50 years reversing row, We can take a few more being yeah. disciplined. they did not give up and they got it. They that's the proof of it. It takes time. So we've got to take this and, and decide this is long term struggle. Uh, Reverend Jamal Bryant said it in, in his sermon, we don't need walkers. We need runners. I would amend that to say not sprinters either. We need long distance cross country runners to get this done so we'll, we'll we'll get it done Marcos thank you as always buddy we're well, gonna keep on yeah fighting.
0: thank you love you love your love you too man look at everybody doing what they did to help win this election and let's take a couple of weeks relax and let's get Warnock across the finish line in January
1: yeah that's right let's do it thanks Marcos thanks thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain as always perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding. By whatever name you call her and him, all God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.